Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Freeman. And for this episode, I'm excited to bring on a guest who is a coach and a trainer that is helping people and organizations really modernize their selling. Um, we're in a profession right now that requires us to adapt and adjust in order to align with how our customers want to be supported and sold. And Peter Strokorb, sorry, Peter Strokorb is head of Peter Strokorb Advisory, and they are a specialist firm advising business and sales leaders on modern selling frameworks, methods, and techniques. I'll let him talk a little bit more about that once we get into it. Uh, but in my research, I saw this tagline that he had, which I liked. It was sell smarter, not harder. And you know who doesn't want that? So he typically works with mid-market technology companies, consulting, business-to-business services all across Australia, West Coast, U- United States, and the UK. Uh, Peter, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, so you're on the other side of the world. So it's... Uh, I think it's morning time for you, evening time for me, but uh, that's the beauty of technology. Exactly right. Yeah. So look, that's how I've acquired a whole bunch of uh, US-based uh, clients um, because they've discovered that you can stuff do stuff on Zoom and you can call on just about any expert, regardless of where they are geographically speaking. So, uh, so it, it all, all works for works out for both parties. And we've learned a lot about that over the last couple of years for sure. So, Peter, um, can you just tell us uh, tell the audience a little bit more about um, yourself and what you do? Okay, sure. So um, I've got a corporate background, 20 odd years in, in very large multinational organizations like Sony, Canon, 3M and CSC. I've worked as the head of sales as well as the head of marketing. So I understand uh, both disciplines. I'm one of those few people who, who actually have lived <laughs> on both sides of the spectrum and understand how they how they think and what makes them tick. And um, just about 11 years ago, I started uh, Peter Stroke of Advisory because I... I was kind of a bit fed up with the corporate world, all the, the politics and all the stuff that, that went on. And and I had seen enough of all the things that uh, don't work and people still keep doing. And so I, I thought, really, I've um, got some experience under my belt. I've uh, seen some things and I've developed some methodologies and uh, practices that can really help modern sales organizations to to sell smarter, not harder, as uh, as is my slogan. I'm looking forward to hearing about some of those. You know, I've been I've been working for a while, and some of my friends in the industry will often joke about the new strategy that's being rolled out. That was just the one that we did like two strategies ago. You know, we're just recycling. <laughs> we're on the pendulum. So I'm definitely With different interested. metrics. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, not always. <laughs> but I'm definitely interested in hearing about uh, um, your thoughts on that. So I did read one of your articles where you were talking about your mission of modernizing the sales process by moving from uh, really, a product focus to a buyer focus, which you know, in the high tech world, so much of what we do sometimes gets focused on the product. How do we, how do we move to more of a buyer focused 
process? Well, um, shall we talk about why that's important first? And that's Absolutely. How we do it? Yeah. yeah, please. So, so the so the not surprisingly, a lot of sales organizations really focus on selling, right? And and you think, oh, that's you know, what else would they be doing? But um, that makes you look inward. You know, that that makes you measure inward uh, um, things. That makes you um, measure metrics that are related to activity and effort. Um, you think about it. You you you've got a, a sales forecast or a sales um, quota. You got um, you got your your pipeline. Then you say we measure you know um, pipeline coverage and and all that, those sort of things. And the customer almost becomes a bit of an afterthought. You know, in in the process, we're looking at our products and and, and services. We go. Oh, well, how can we sell as many of them as possible by the end of the month, the end of the quarter, the end of the year, right? And we kind of forget that the customer is buying and we're not just selling. And so if you look at the traditional, and I say traditional and in inverted commas, um, sales funnel, I did some research on it and I discovered that it was actually invented in 1898. Not 1998, 1898, um, around the the time that the first motor car came out, right? Model T, Ford, right? And guess what? In 2022, 123 years later, we're still using the same model. Yes, it's been augmented by technology and AI and and all sorts of apps, but, but essentially we're still shoving stuff down people's throats who don't want it in the hope that somebody will be interested and somebody will be buying. And I know that's that's a bit of a rough way of describing sales, but to the buyer, it often feels that way. Let me give you an example. How many spam emails do you get a day? No, that's just I, too many. Okay. So what do you do with them? Delete them. <laughs> Ignore them. That's right. So how many cold calls do you get from people who have no idea whether you're even in the market for the thing that they're selling? Well, on my mobile phone, I get them every day. How many do you take? None of them. None of them. So you ignore those two. How many people do you find uh, reach out to you on LinkedIn and say, "Chris, we have some connections in common. I think we should connect and and uh, um, and and you know maybe discover something that we we can do together." Yeah, that's picking up. Okay, good. How many of them do you accept? Uh, it depends if it's uh, customized and actually focused versus something that's auto-generated. Okay, so you can tell whether it's it's a mass automated thing message right. or, or whether it's actually individualized. So, so how many times do you then accept those few that sound a bit more interesting only to find that uh, they, they move straight from, haha, gotcha into uh, straight from nice to meet you into gotcha. Here's my sales pitch. Yeah. Well, the insurance brokers, the financial advisors, that's usually they go right into it. After yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How, do, how does that make you feel? Yeah. Well, uh, like I just wasted my time. You feel duped, right? Yeah. Cond, and and so these are the sales practices that uh, that thousands thousands of uh, organizations go through every day of every year, hoping that they will sell something, and and then through the pandemic we found that um, you know it doesn't really work anymore because people were distracted with their own problems, um, health, mental health, physical health, uh, financial, family, you, you name it. We had uh, problems piled up on, on on top of problems. And we just didn't want to be sold to like that anymore. Not that we ever wanted to in the first place, but we tolerated it. But after the pandemic, we don't any longer, right? And and so, what's the reaction of most sales companies when they find that the, that their leads are not hitting the mark? They do more of the same thing, right? Yeah, and make just it up with volume, right? That's right. So they go, okay, let's just do more of the same things that we know that are not working for us. Does it make sense to anyone? So 
let's then let's talk. Let's that was why sales needs to be modernized. Right? Now, how do you modernize? Okay, so let's stop looking at what we're selling and how we want to sell it and how we want to measure the progress of sales through the pipeline and all that sort of thing. And let's start with focusing on the buyer and how they want to buy from us. Right? It's uh, I think it's Gartner or CEB or somebody said that um, you know seventy. 67% of uh, the buyer's uh, decision-making is completed before they connect with the salesperson. They, they don't actually want to contact a salesperson before they feel that they're ready. Besides, by the way, they decide which salesperson or sales organization they want to reach out to, and they decide when they are feel ready. Um, so all you can do as a seller is to make them aware that you exist and help them to, to pick you, Right. Um, because once they've down selected their two or three vendors that they're going to talk to about the thing that, that they're interested in buying, if you come along at that point and then say, oh, let me be the fourth, they go, no, I've got, I've got my three, go away. Right. So, so there's a criticality of the engagement at the upfront that you're actually visible to buy to the buyer at the right time um, so that they become interested in you. So what, what you now need to do is not just say, hey, Chris, look at all my stuff and buy, buy some from me. What you now need to do is you now need to intrigue them, get them thinking, make them what I call lean forward and say, oh, wow, Chris, that sounds really interesting. Tell me more. So, so the key to modern selling is actually in the opening, not in the closing. And uh, I did a podcast um, um, either earlier this year or right late last year that I actually called the opening is the new closing. Because I say if you open right, the closing will take care of itself. You don't need to have um, any closing techniques that that persuade somebody to buy from you. You know, it, it 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 that sort of approach feels more adversarial. You know, Chris, I'm trying to sell you something. You're trying to resist, so I'm trying to overcome your objections. It totally, you know, opposite sides of the table. Whereas if you if you figuratively speaking, put your arms around the shoulders of the buyer and say, Mr. Buyer, Mrs. Buyer, let me help you make an informed buying decision. And here's what you should be considering. That doesn't feel like selling to either the seller or the buyer, and it makes the buying experience much more pleasant. Plus, you don't need um, to spam 10,000 people to get three that might be interested. You, you can actually open the conversation in a way that the buyer responds to favorably, and they want to near, hear more. So you've got to create what I call that lean forward moment where they go, Chris, tell me more. So what are some, so once you're in an account and just take an existing account as an example, probably a lot easier to get your arm around that customer than it is somebody that you haven't worked with before. So, um, you know, what are some of the ways that you can get that first engagement so you can get your arm around them? Okay. So, so excellent question. I get that all the time. (laughs) So, so because opening is the new closing, we need to open well, right? And um, you need to open in a way that solicits interest, curiosity, intrigue, right? And I say there's only three ways that you can do that, only three ways. The first one is that um, oh, if you put yourself into the shoes of your buyer, their objectives are, I, I need to buy the right thing, yeah? In, if, if, you're, you're, um, if you're a salesperson and, and your buyer is a salesperson, then they're uh, – or, or, you know, they're – they buy things with the objective of achieving a certain outcome, right? Or they, they in, my, in my case, my clients are salespeople, so their objective is to sell more. So if we can help them to find, a, um, to discover a way that they can sell more, then 
they would be interested in that, right? So if, if I can help you to achieve an objective that you're KPI'd against and that makes you look good in, in, in the eyes of your boss, you'd be interested, right? Conversely, the other thing that um, most of your buyers are looking out to is not to get into trouble. So if you can point out the risk that they're facing that they're not aware of, they'd be interested in exploring that a bit more, right? So if you help them to understand that you have some insights that they don't have, or if you help them to understand that there's something they don't know that they don't know, but you do, that will make them lean forward and say, Chris, tell me more about that, right? But the, the, both of those techniques require your research, that you do your research, right? So that you need to understand the industry, you need to understand the organization, you almost need to understand that buyer that you're speaking to, to, to be able to pull that off credibly and 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 uh, make them think about it, right? So the third way is the way that I can recommend to my clients because that's the way that a way that is scalable, that um, only um, requires you to do, to do your research once and then you can scale it, and and that is to help your buyers to understand that they actually have a need for the thing that you're selling. So the distinction here is that you're not telling them that they have a need. You help them to discover for themselves that they have a need. So, um, if, if you like, I can give you an example of that. Yeah, please do. So, I talk about switching the old 123 year old sales funnel around and using what I call now the buyer focused sales funnel, which focuses on the buyer and how they want to buy. My clients might be interested in seeing how would the buyer focused sales funnel apply to their sales organization, their sales people, and their sales team. So I talk about how the buyer behavior has changed, how the old ways of selling are no longer effective, and how we need to come up with something new. And then I invite them to take a free self-assessment test where they can test whether the buyer-focused sales funnel fits into their organization and vice versa. And if they want to apply it, where where are the gaps and the the challenges that they still have? So um, on the website, um, at peterstrokeup.com forward slash sales dash assessment. You can actually go to my website and, and do that uh, free sales, uh, sales funnel assessment yourself. And all that's designed to do is just to get you thinking about a, a different way of operating. You know, it's not selling you anything. It's not that there's no price attached. It takes you five or 10 minutes of your time, but it gets you thinking about, oh, maybe there is a better way to do these things. And then I invite you to maybe have a conversation with me to talk about your specific um, results and your specific answers and what they mean to your organization, how you can overcome the, the the gaps that you still have. So I help you to understand that you may have a need for the thing that I'm selling, but it lets you discover that for yourself and I draw you into a business conversation, not into a sales pitch. Does that make sense? It does. You know, and and you made the comment earlier about um you know, doing your research to be able to find um, what is going to maybe intrigue that company or that individual person. And I've done past episodes that um, that's the nature we live in. You can't just walk in and do the same um, rinse and repeat type message and think it's going to land um, because most likely it's not going to. So you have to do that homework and really research the people. And uh, you know, it's we're at that point now where it's quality over quantity. Hello, sales pros. I hope you are enjoying the High Tech Freedom Podcast. 
If you are interested in learning more about passively investing in multifamily real estate, you can download our educational ebook at hightechfreedom.com. While there, you can also sign up for our newsletter where we will provide insights on real estate investing as well as sales tips so that you can continue to crush it in your high-tech sales role. Now, I often hear people say, eh, I'll get to that later, or uh, I'll read that book later. Well, there's no time like the present to improve your knowledge. So I hope you take advantage of at least the newsletter. In the meantime, please reach out if I can help out in any way. Now, let's get back to the show. Absolutely right. Because what, what you said earlier, as soon as you notice that it's a it's a standardized mass outrage, you switch off because you, you go, like, they don't know anything about me. They're not really interested in me. They're just interested in themselves. Now, I will say that uh, there are times where, you know, maybe there's a standardized sort of message that you have. But if you can somehow frame it up as, hey, look, this is what we are hearing from customers like yourself, that they're experiencing some challenges. And then pause. It's like it may or may not be exactly uh, you know applicable to how you're operating today. But what do you see it, right? And, and but the, you know you have to get that first engagement in order to have to have that type of conversation. Well, I, I just heard from a um, from a sales lead gen company yesterday, just yesterday, um, that they said um, the 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 window of opportunity to actually get somebody engaged on a, on a cold call is now eight seconds. It used to be a minute. It used to be thirty seconds, then twenty seconds, but but now it's eight seconds. If you, if you can't solicit their interest within eight seconds, they're going to go go away, right? So so by the time you're still introducing yourself and you're telling which company you're from and what you're trying to sell, the phone goes down. <laughs> uh, so so the the point is that you got to intrigue them with some something within the first eight seconds. If it's a cold call, um, if uh, if it's a, a a white paper, or if it's a, um, a thought-provoking article, or something like that, then then you have probably a bit more opportunity. But um, but the thing is, you got to capture their imagine, imagination and capture their intrigue within within a very short period of time. So you have no time to introduce yourself or your products or your, or your company. You need to come straight to the point in terms of what's in it for you, Mister Customer or Mrs. Customer. Yeah, you know, in the in the B two B world, uh, you know, when I hear you talk, it just reminds me that it's more important that, than ever. That for the customers that you already have, you have to continue to take care of them and sell to them because it's so hard to get that new customer or that new logo. Um, I mean, just you know, eight, eight seconds to get um, to to get engaged. Well, you know, nurture the ones you have and um, figure out how to grow and don't get complacent. Because I've also seen some big enterprise. You've worked for big companies before. You know, you get that big juicy account. You kind of sit back on it a little bit. Well. Um, it, you know, it's either growing or, or shrinking and, you know, you can be driving that growth or, um, or not. And, uh, you got to take care of it. Well, look, there's, there's all sorts of uh, statistics that say that, um, growing an existing account is uh, seven, eight, 10 times easier and cheaper than, than finding a new logo. Unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of, um, venture capital funds and investors, like to have the vanity metric of new logos. Of course. And yeah. and so I've I've worked in organizations where um if if you sell a multi-million dollar deal to an existing client, you get a minuscule commission. Whereas if you sell the same deal to a new client, you, you get you can basically retire on it. You know? How, how crazy is that? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, and by the by the way, metrics are super important because they drive a certain behavior. 
So, so, so watch out what you're measuring because you might find that you're not measuring the thing that actually gives you the, uh, the productivity and the outcomes that you're looking for. Challenge of every comp plan, right? Yep, yep. Try to get it right. So, yeah. So, so for example, there was, there's the, the, the largest telco in Australia here had a, um, a metric on their call center in terms of a call time to resolution. So somebody would ring up and say, I've got a problem. Uh, and then there would, um, the, the, the person in the call center would be measured on how long are you on this call for? And, and the, the thinking behind it was the, the less time they spend on the call, the happier the customer will be because their problem gets solved more quickly. Right. But what happened was <laughs> what happened in reality was that, um, the, the call center people would get to the end of their allocated time and they still hadn't resolved the problem. So they just hang up. <laughs> and, and so the, the metric that was actually meant to give a great customer experience had the exact opposite effect. So watch out what you're measuring. Oh, yeah. True words. Well, so you had recently posted about uh, 10 modern selling tips and we can't go through all 10, but um, are there a couple, maybe you've already touched on some of them, but are there a couple that you want to highlight that we should be paying more attention to? Well, well look, the um, it's, it's not really brain surgery or rocket science. You know, what, what we're saying is know who your ideal customers are, know where they where you can find them, know not just how to reach out to them, as we discussed earlier, but to engage them and, to, and draw them into a business conversation, not just a sales pitch. Then know how to fend off your competitors so that you become the last vendor standing and you get the deal. Learn how to get the deal. Because um, just being the last person standing doesn't guarantee that you get the deal on how to get the deal. Then turn your one-off customers into repeat business and turn your repeat customers into advocates for your business who refer new customers to you. So that those are the 10 points. And and with each of them, you would you, you'd find it hard to argue against each of them, right? Um, but but what the buyer-focused sales funnel does is it actually shows you exactly what you need to do to give your customers that experience that makes them want to buy from you. Yeah. And in, in those points, right, it's great in theory, but then it's about how you execute on them, right? And so to that la last point that you made about, you know, making your existing customers, I can't remember the word you use, but champions or, you know, advocates for you. How do, what are some tips or some tactics to do a better job at that? Okay. So there's, there's three things that, um, that come to mind straight away. One is don't just do it when you think about it. You got to actually proceduralize. Uh, it's it's basically referral selling. But referral selling um, sounds much easier than it is. Um, you actually need to embed it into the sales organization so that it actually gets gets that it's not an afterthought. Ah, oh, damn! I should have asked them for a referral. But but you actually measure it, and you measure how often do you ask, um, how, how many responses do you get, how um, how many um, how many responses to the introduction am I getting, and how many deals come out of that. So so you can actually measure. Um, um, referral selling, right? The the second point is when to ask, and the third point is how to ask. And um, so I'll, I'll give you my my free secret away. Here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so only so the, here, only on the High Tech Freedom so, Podcast. So Chris, when, when do you think when do you think is the best time to ask for a referral? Best time to ask for a referral. Um, well, before you need it. No, and in, in, in terms of getting a successful referral out of out of that situation after you've delivered on your value yeah and the customer says i'm happy yeah as soon as you hear them say thank you 
right? So they say, thank you for doing this great thing for me. Thank you for finishing this project on time. Thank you for delivering this great outcome for us. At that moment, they feel, psychologically speaking, a bit indebted to you, you know, grateful. So if you say, oh, Chris, I'm glad you had that great experience with us. Who else in your network do you think might want to have a similar experience? Right? So this, this is when to ask. Thank you. And how to ask at the same time is not, do you know someone else? Because that's um, they could just say, no, I don't know anyone else. But if you say, who else in your network would welcome this sort of similar experience as well? You do two things. Firstly, it's a, it's an open question, so they've got to they can't just say answer with yes or no. And secondly, you make it sound like they'd be doing the other person a favor by introducing you, by saying, who would welcome a similar experience to the one you just had? Who in your network, right? So there are three tips there. Three tips there to to actually supercharge your referral selling. And 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 by the way, referrals are the easiest way to sell through, right? Because you come pre-qualified already. You don't have to start from scratch and introduce yourself. Uh, that the, your your contacts doing all that for you. And and this point right here is so important because just to what we were talking about earlier, right? It is already hard enough to try to break into an account to get a new logo. You get eight, you have eight seconds. That warm introduction, uh, it's gold. And I love your point about um, the timing of asking for that referral because um, I don't want this to sound uh, bad, but I mean, you're only going to go downhill from there, right? You hit them at the high point of your engagement, <laughs> and right. you know you're going to have bumps, ups and downs, you know, or may, or maybe it's just that they've moved on to the next thing, and six months from now. You've done a great job for them. You're just not top of mind. Um, somebody else is top of mind, and you've missed that window. Yeah, plus it feels a bit like extra work I've got to do now and for, for no return, right? If you hit them at that right time, then then they'll probably do it right away. If you come back three weeks or three months later and say, oh, by the way, I remember that good thing I did for you, they go, what good thing? <laughs> you know, so, so, so you've got to strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, I love it. That's, that's great advice. Well, Peter... Um, so what uh, if somebody want, was interested in uh, learning more about what you do, how do they get hold of you? How do they reach out? Okay, well, I'm, I'm basically on every single platform out there. <laughs> so, so you can reach me on LinkedIn. You can uh, email me at uh, pstrokeop at peterstrokeop.com. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I've, uh, I've got a couple of uh, LinkedIn groups as well. And, and of course, there's peterstrokeop.com, the, um, the website that's behind me on the wall there. Um, and uh, and you, you just go and do the uh, the free sales funnel assessment, or you request a um, an invitation to my sales leaders uh, roundtable. Uh, by the way, I'm running a sales leaders roundtable in uh, in the US, in uh, EMEA, and in uh, the Asia Pacific region, where uh, sales leaders come together in a exclusive and safe environment where they can discuss their common sales problems and find solutions from each from each other. It's a fantastic forum. For sales leaders, by sales leaders. So I, I invite you, your your listeners, to um, request an invitation uh, free of charge from me as well. Okay, that'd be great. And you know, Peter, you, you've been uh, you mentioned you're on all social media platforms, and so you've obviously been putting quite a bit of work into that. So um, you know, a high tech salesperson working for you know, you know one of the big IT vendors or a SaaS provider. Um, any tips that you've learned along the way that you know maybe those types of sales reps should be um, that they should know when trying to leverage social media as part of how they sell or how they market or create a brand. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the the biggest tip I can give you is stop selling, uh, stop talking about your product. 
no, no one really cares unless they're unless they're halfway down the sales funnel where they really want to know does it, does this solution actually work for me? So start with the with talking about the outcomes that you have delivered for for other customers, you know, for other clients, uh, especially if they look like the person that you're trying to sell to at the moment. The the other thing is it's it's super important to grow your personal brand, right? Because what we talked about earlier is that people that buyers don't actually want to talk to sales reps. They want to talk to subject matter experts that can help them make an informed buying decision. So I'll say that again. They want to talk to SMEs who can make them, who can help them make an informed buying decision. So the more you can present yourself on social media as that expert that can help them make an informed buying decision, the more that they'll welcome your outreach. And and by the way, if I if you've never heard of me and I'm sending you some thought leadership piece, you're not going to be as interested in that than if you say, oh, yeah, I've seen that guy around. He's had some interesting things to say, or, or she. Um, and, and, and then you reach out to them and say, here's something that uh, I think you might be interested in. Then you go, okay, well, I've heard of them. I, I understand they're a bit of an expert in their field. So therefore, I'm now interested in what they have to say because they might just um, have something to say that I didn't know I didn't know. So, so it's important to to grow your own personal brand as as a subject matter expert on on social media as well, and not just talk about your products or your organization. If you're working in a in a role where maybe the the tech products that you sell it, they are highly technical, so as the salesperson, you ultimately you're not going to be the most you're not going to be the subject matter expert on that technology. Um, you have an engineer, maybe a sales engineer that'll help with that. Um, how can you tweak your brand so that you are a subject matter expert that's relevant to what you can deliver on? Okay, well let's let's think about your target audience, right? So so if if the person you're talking to is highly technical and they want to know everything about you know, the nuts and bolts and then the ones and zeros, then you probably want to bring in a pre-sales rep, right? A pre-sales consultant, right? And and they can talk about all the nuts and bolts. If you're talking to an economical buyer, they probably want to know about return on investment uh, at um, uh, present value. Um, they want to know about uh, time to ROI and that sort of thing. If you're talking to a an end user customer, they will probably want to know, do I have to climb a steep learning curve or can I just uh, hit the ground running from day one? Is it easy to adapt? Um, the, this, the, the technical buyer will want to know um, what's the support like? Um, will it give me any trouble? Um, will, will you be there for me when something goes wrong? Never if, when something goes wrong, right? Um, so so um, the point I'm making is that depending who you're talking to, you've got to speak their language and you've got to help them to understand that your solution will actually prevent problems and bring benefits. Yeah, and, know, and, know and, your and audience. So, yeah, well, and, and, and not, not just know your audience, but also have the stature to pull it off credibly. Right, because if if you're talking to a CIO, you need to understand their world, and you need to be able to speak to them like another CIO would, a CFO, the same thing, CEO, the same same thing, right? So so that's why it's super important to grow your personal brand as well, because if you have the reputation as, as having that stature that that can challenge your thinking and can give you advice, then you're you're home and host, and it gives you a great advantage. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. You reminded me of uh, so we rolled out in a prior role, some uh, C-level training um, that we took the whole sales force through. And it was really good. Um, but And they had different CIOs that came in or ex-CIOs that were the trainers of the training. And uh, one thing that always stuck with me was you'll be um, sent down to the person you sound like. 
right? You know, if you're, at, you're, if you're kind of talking acronyms and stuff, that CIO, we'll go talk to, you know, come on down a couple layers and go talk to that person. So it's a great, it's a great point. And look, the, the other thing I'll say is that the more senior the person, the more relaxed they probably are, right? And, and they don't want to know about all the details. They just want to know, will I get into trouble buying this thing? Will, what benefits will I get that make me look good, right? So if you keep it high level, and then allow, then ask, get them to ask the question that that uh, drill down on the on the details. You can then bring in the, the the other subject matter experts. But but keep it very high level and 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 talk for God's sake, talk to them about what's in it for them from a business point perspective. So there's always got to be a business case that makes sense for the organization to acquire your solution. But if you can then add something extra that makes the individual decision maker or influencer or gatekeeper look good. Then that that will vastly increase your chances of selling to that organization. Mm. Well, Peter, I really have enjoyed our conversation today. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience before we wrap up? Well, look, I I just would encourage your uh, North American listeners to not uh, discount me because I sound a bit foreign and I and I live in a different country. <laughs> I I can help people remotely, and I've um, got heaps of um, U.S. based testimonials on my website. So um, please, I encourage you to do the free sales funnel assessment at uh, peterstrokeup.com. Reach out to me. Let's have a conversation about your selling process and whether we can turn it into a buying process for your buyers. Sounds good. Well, Peter, thanks again. Have a great, uh, great afternoon. Thank you, Chris. And thanks for having me on the show. And uh, good luck um, with uh, selling in 2022 to all your listeners. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.